welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. If you want to share and clearly communicate your big idea, you need to do it in small chunks of information, not a long presentation. I discuss how to do that in this episode with Steve Woodruff. Steve's most recent book, The Point, provides a simple and actionable formula for clear communication that can be applied by 8 billion human beings. He has spent a huge amount of time and effort helping clients achieve clarity and has discovered a universal formula for clear communication. Topics include why big ideas need small packages, the four rules of successful communication, the definition of a memory dart and how to create one, and other golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Steve. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you making the time. Mark, it is a pleasure to be here and to be with your audience. And I'd love to jump in about clearly communicating your next big idea. I love what you said about big ideas need small packages. Your big idea has to be transmitted in a small package. How did you discover that? What's the story there? Well, I discovered it because really everything has to be put into small packages. We cannot transmit dump dump truck loads of information to people. They're not ready to process all that info. And when we have our ideas, we have been chewing on them, working on them, going through the details, thinking about all the ramifications. There's a backstory, there's history. And the constant temptation is we want to communicate too much to people. We want to tell them too much. But people are tuning in to find out in a few seconds, is this big idea valuable to me? So we've got to compress that idea into something very relevant, very compelling in just a few words, because the attention span that we get is pretty darn short. And if we try to say too much, we lose the opportunity. How do you start to compress it? You start to compress it by saying, okay, here's all this stuff. Here's all the technical details. Here's all the stuff. But why does this matter for the audience I'm talking to? And if that audience is an investor or a potential customer or a potential partner, I have to frame it in the what's in it for me. Why should they care? And that may strip out 95% of the things I'd like to say and force me to say, how does this add value to someone else so that they open their wallet? It may be an actual fairly small message, even if the solution is a fairly complex solution. So if if something's complex, because I know thinking about, well, with your book, The Point, and I published a book too, it's, I'll talk about a big idea, trying to explain a book concisely, or trying to explain a consulting or coaching business, if you want to get into the business world concisely. What advice do you have for people to, how do you know what to cut out, what to leave in? So I encourage people to do a strategy that I call stratifying, and this is not unique to me. Others have done this in the past. When you think about the structure of a bookmark, the title and the subtitle are the hook. They are the main point. That's the thing that's supposed to get you to say, oh, this is important. The table of contents is the next level of detail. It's an outline. It's the scannable outline saying, 
oh, I see where this is going. Mm -hmm. The rest of the book is the details. And I think about information design and communication design in terms of those three levels of strata. The main point, some background or overview, and then the rest of it. Turns out consultants have been trained to do this all the time. Clinical papers are written this way. Here's the conclusion. Here's the basic structure. Here's all the details. Here's mm -hmm. the data. The reason why is that this is what I call a brain-friendly approach. I want to know what matters right away. Then I'm prepared to listen to a little bit more. Then maybe I can go into the details. So we've got to pull the needle out of the haystack and say, here's the thing. And then if somebody wants more hay, we can discuss more hay. So how, when you start to discuss more hay, what does that look like? That has to, it depends on what the user's really interested in. So if you're talking to a physician, for instance, about a clinical study, they're going to be looking at all kinds of data points. I mean, they want a lot of data, you know, the good ones to help reinforce or buttress the, the main conclusion. Um, but a lot of times people don't actually really want a lot of detail, especially not up front. They want to know this is the thing, this is what it does. And then people have different levels of detail they want after that. Mm -hmm. So you and I might go to a talk by some famous presenter. I might get what I want after two minutes, a big idea that is just put forth. You may be waiting for 14 stories to be told that actually buttress that point that relate to your industry. The key isn't, we don't, we don't throw out the details. We just approach it, the uh, dissemination of the amount of detail in a smart way. Start simple, work to more complex. So start with the big idea and selling it, if you will, which would be the title of the book or the title of your consulting practice, your coaching practice. Right. The subtitle pulls them in a little bit more. And then you give them the details, but it sounds like you're catering when you can in a presentation, a conversation, it sounds like you're catering the details to the audience, the specific audience itself. You don't, you don't having, it's almost sounds like counterintuitive to the elevator pitch that you give everyone. It sounds right. like you do something different if you want to be, if you really want to speak and communicate a message clearly. A lot of the communication challenges we have are in, are in corporate environments and in collaborative environments, big organizations. And one of the complaints I hear all the time is when people get a chance to present to executives, they try to say too much. The executive wants the what they people call the BLUF, the bottom line up front. Give me the main thing. They don't have time to wait 50 minutes to get to the conclusion. So give me the conclusion and then, you know, present a little more and then mm -hmm. we can dig deeper if we have time or interest or whatever. But if there's no time or interest, if I've only got them for five minutes, there's one thing I want to put in their heads. It's the big idea. And I've got to do it with a story or a snippet or a statistic or some kind of compelling fact. And that's what this book explains is how to take those ideas and put them in these brain friendly formats. So you get the point across quickly. Well, I think you just touched on it. In one of our last conversations, you mentioned the four rules of getting to the point in clarification, starting with have a point. 
Yes. You, could you review those four rules? Because I think you just skimmed over it with what you just said about presenting to executives. And I think, think those four points are awesome. Yeah, they, uh, I usually start with rule two just because I break break rules. Rule two is you got to get to the point. And everybody knows that. Everybody feels that because we've all been subject to presentations and meetings and rambling by people who aren't getting to the point. So we only have a few seconds to earn attention. And the way we do that is by quickly getting to what is relevant and important and interesting. That's the point. But before that, step one, you actually have to have a point. And oftentimes people don't have a clear point. They don't know exactly where the destination is or what the result they're looking for or exactly what they're saying, which is very frustrating for the listeners. And so step one is have a point. What is the shift in people's thinking and feeling and acting that you are trying to create with this email, this presentation, this meeting? What's the change? What's the result? Begin with the end in mind, as Stephen Cuppy would say. If you can't articulate your point in one sentence, you don't have one. So you got to have a point. You got to get to the point. But also the third rule is you want to get the point across, which means I've got to make sure you understand and remember what I'm saying. So I have to simplify. I have to define. We all have different ideas in our heads. And just the fact that I threw words out at you doesn't mean that you've processed them or understand them the way I do. So a good communicator isn't content with just dumping words. We've got to actually use stories and snippets and comparisons and side-by-sides and, and other little tools that are explained in the book to make it clear, to turn the light on in the person's brain. So that's getting the point across. And then the fourth rule is so intuitive, I almost didn't include it, uh, but our goal with our communications is to get everybody on the same page. We're trying to reach alignment. We're trying to reach agreement. We're trying to reach action. And what often is the big point of failure, and I hear this over and over again, is nobody creates the page. Nobody summarizes it and says, here's the same page that we have agreed on. And so you have the same meeting over and over again the next week because people walked out with totally different understandings. And so a great communicator never assumes that the words have actually hit. You want to make a summary that says, here's where we landed. And that's what ensures that you've actually gotten the thing across. For meetings or email, as far as an agreement, is it literally a written agreement or something, whether it's a a point you want to get across to investors, a point you want to get across to the team in an email chain. I find that really interesting. Speak more about the agreement. How do you solidify that? Because I know so many meetings and emails just leave it up to chance. It's a lot of times we just leave it floating. And we leave it floating in the air because we make the assumption uh, at rule three that we've actually been heard, understood, and it's been processed correctly. Mm. And so we just figure, okay, well, we all said that, we all nodded our heads, we all agree. In fact, if it's not written, if we don't have a common document, whether it's an email or whether it's a you know a, an executive summary or, or a set of action items or whatever, if it's not written, there's no way to be certain that people have come to agreement and know what to do next. In fact, you can pretty much assume people won't. So 
it's just human nature. We hear selectively. We don't always tune in at the right time. We walk away with a different emphasis than was really intended. And practicing a written summary, making a same page, is a great way to ensure that you really have arrived at the destination that you're moving toward. Well, that's keeping the end in mind back to a little bit towards the beginning or middle of the process. I love a term you came up with memory dart. Speak a memory dart. Yeah. Memory dart is that's my, that's my, by the way, that's my uh, replacement for the term elevator pitch, which I hate because uh, nobody wants to talk on an elevator and nobody wants to be pitched. So, <laughs> you know, terrible, but the concept of making your, message compressed and compact in a way that you can bring it across to people quickly is very valuable. And I don't see that as a pitch. I see it as being something more vivid, something more descriptive. It could be a story. It could be a nickname like mine is King of Clarity. So I tell people I'm the King of Clarity. And that just jars their memory and makes them ask questions. What the heck does that mean? And then I get to explain it. So we want to have these verbal shorthands, these sometimes, you know, verbal business cards, so to speak, or memory darts, because we, we have a very tiny bit of real estate in anybody else's mind. And I want to put the most memorable, vivid, accurate thought in somebody else's head. And it's got to be, again, nice and short, nice and mm -hmm. compressed. Nobody's going to memorize a white paper about me. So I have to package it in a way that is easily digested. How could someone start unpackaging a larger, I'll just say a larger packet. How do you unpack it and get to a memory dart? Because that could be a, that seems like it could be a lot of heavy lifting, but I don't think it has to be. It's challenging. Um, the first, the first step is actually realizing that it's necessary. So we want to dream that we can throw a bunch of stuff out there and everybody's going to process it. No, mm -hmm. not really. Uh, that's just not the way it works. <laughs> There's too much competition out there for our attention and our, our mental uh, bandwidth. So we have to look at any body of information and maybe every bit of it is somewhat valuable. Okay. Otherwise it wouldn't be there, hopefully. But we have to say, what's the one thing here that's really going to secure attention? That's really going to matter the most. It's not that the other stuff doesn't matter. What matters the most? And we have to be willing to have a lead, what I call a lead message. Anything that you're going to communicate on an email or a presentation or a book or a workshop, you got to have a lead message that dings the bell. So when I talk about doing a get to the point workshop, I use that term because People intuitively understand what get to the point is and have said it in their head many times, and they immediately feel an affinity. Oh, yeah, I want to know about because so-and-so needs to get to the point when probably you do too. But if I just said, <laughs> uh, I do workshops on uh, how to accomplish clear communications in a corporate setting, blah, 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 leveraging the, uh, then I'm just like, you know, a thousand other providers. I haven't really given you a lead thought. So that's why I lead with get to the point, even though that's actually one of four rules and eight tools, because it's the most vivid and memorable and immediately turns a light on. What are other characteristics of a lead point if someone's trying to whittle down a presentation? 
the lead point uh, again has to start with the what's in it for them for the okay. listener so there may be something that to me is really the most important thing but i'm not the audience i'm the messenger mm. i've got to say what does mark actually need about this and that requires taking a, a step out of my own shoes walking in yours and say mark is a busy guy he's involved in this he does this what he really wants to know is what's the one thing he can do to make his podcast better okay so i may have 12 things you can do but i gotta start with one mm -hmm. and so we've got to kind of do our best to get into the heads of our audience with either one or many and find something that's going to be hopefully a universal felt need and then you build from there but you've got to set the hook in something that people intuitively get if i have to take 16 minutes to explain the thing i've already lost you well which side of the coin does it start on because i could see do you start with the big all the details of a big idea and then you whittle it down to get attention or, and I, I realize it could be either or, or both, but, or do you start with the memory dart or the, you know, the, the quick 10 second explanation and then build a big idea or something out of it, which comes first. Cause it seems like it's chicken and the egg. Uh, you've actually, this is a very valuable point. So when I do a branding exercise with a company, I start at the base of the pyramid. I say, let's just give me all the details. Tell me the stories. Tell me about your clients. Tell me the history. We just go all over the place, okay? And then I pull out the common themes and say, okay, it looks like it's kind of like this. And I condense it somewhat and we get that. Then we pull it down to the lead message and that we get to the top of the pyramid and say, well, what your company's really all about is this. So you start with all the details and you move it up to arrive mm -hmm. at your brand and message then when you transmit it to others you start at the top and move back down so it's a two-way process one is building the message and the other is transmitting the message and in your world the building comes first yeah oh yeah you've got to you've got to actually know what the what in the world you're talking about and what are the what are the things that you're dealing with the problem in communication usually isn't a lack of information it's mm -hmm. there's too much of it there's a ton of it the problem is how do i streamline it and make it go really quickly and turn that light on immediately that's the hard challenge so you know dealing with the raw material is something we all have to do every day streamlining it that's the challenge well once you get your message down and you have your memory dart and everything else we've been speaking about what comes next as far as a better question, how do you cut through the noise? Because that's one thing I remember from your book. And one, I, almost anyone talked about communication. Oh, my God, the noise these days with social media and everything else. What would you say is an important one way that you can cut through all the noise with your big idea? So the major thing is understanding your customer, which is the human brain. So we all have one customer the human brain, which has an operating system. It actually likes information in certain ways, and it doesn't like information in certain ways. The brain is very busy. It's dealing with 11 million bits of information per second from all five senses, pouring into that wonderful, marvelous neurobiological miracle called the human brain. 
And the brain is filtering all that to bring you to focus on one thing at a time. Focus is a 60-bit information flow. If I'm looking at you and you're looking at me over coffee and we're talking, we're engaged in a 60-bit focused information flow. That means 11 million bits are having to be pushed to the background so I can focus. Mm -hmm. So we need to win that 60-bit battle. And the part of the brain that does it is this incredible thing called the RAS, the reticular activating system. And the RAS's job is to say what's important, what's not. And it's only going to find one thing that's important. Everything else has to go to the background. And what the RAS wants is the what's in it for me. It wants the immediate personal relevance. So the key to winning the battle for noise, uh, attention in the middle of the noise, is I've got to have a message that is compelling that somebody can quickly and intuitively say, oh, I got I got to hear that. Mm-hmm. I need to know more about that because there's something in it for me. There's something that matters here. So I could I could rattle on about communications theory or academia and all this stuff. But if you're losing pitches for million dollar projects, there's the what's in it for me. You don't want theory. You want how am I going to make my next presentation better? Now you're ready to listen. That's how you do it. You've got to make it relevant. Well, we've covered a lot of material in a pretty short period of time. Someone's listening and they want to get to the point and get clear with their communication about a big idea. If you were to say just to get started, do this one thing, make sure you do at least this one thing, what would you tell them to do? Where would they start? The one thing to start with get to the point communications is your email subject line. So this is the place where you can make an immediate change in your effectiveness. Here's the reason why. Our email inboxes are very crowded, very busy, and we, as a matter of coping and survival, do a skim scan delete. That's how we treat emails, which means we're only looking at a small piece of visual real estate on any email in the inbox. It's the subject line and maybe the first sentence. So if we want to get our email read against all the competition, we've got to bring the relevant point, the action item, the most interesting thing right up to the subject line and the first sentence, because we're in a battle against everybody else's email. And we've got to win the RAS friendly award by being the email somebody wants to open, because it says, I need your three paragraph summary by Friday at noon. Oh, okay. I know what I need to do there. If it just says, hey, a summary of our call last week. Maybe Mm. there's something important there, maybe not, but I'm probably just going to skip it because I got something else to do. So the most easy, the lowest hanging fruit is just bringing relevance forward on emails. And then when you start doing that, you realize, well, I need to do that with presentations. I need to do that with my classes. I need to do that in my teaching. I need to do that in my interaction with my kids. Yeah, because the human brain wants what it wants, relevance. This has been excellent. If people want to find you online, where's the best place to go? Best place is stevewoodruff.com. That's my website. 
uh, the book, The Point, is available on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, other retailers. It's also available in some bookstores. Uh, you can ask for it uh, or just get it online. And uh, then I'm also very busy on LinkedIn. So if somebody looks for me, Steve Woodruff uh, or King of Clarity on LinkedIn, you'll find me. And that's where I put out a newsletter and, and share a lot of interesting articles about this topic. Thank you for the time. This has been amazing, Steve. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thank you for tuning into the Idea Climbing Podcast. If you'd like to hear from a lot more experts, the Idea Climbing book is now available at ideaclimbingbook.com. You can also hear more podcasts at ideaclimbing.com. Hope to see you in one of those two venues. Have a great one.